The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. I'm Adam. And I'm James. Hey, Hello, James. James. James is uh, our, actually not our newest patron. We did have another uh, uh, patron who I unfortunately don't have his name right here, but uh, he joined us at the $1 level, and well, I'll look up your name at some point and say hi to you. <laughs> uh, but James is, other than that, is our newest patron, and he is here to discuss, we're going to count down our top 10 Billy Joel songs. Now, James, before we get into this, let's hear a little bit uh, from you about uh, who you are and what you do. My name is James Campbell. I'm a lawyer in Kansas. I predominantly do criminal defense for state and federal cases. Um, I have two grown children who are roughly the age of you guys. Uh, They are 31 and 32 right now. And so shout out to them. The oldest of which is Joel, who was named after Billy Joel. Oh, wow. Very apropos. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other one's Alex, I should say. So he, so I get yeah, his. You don't leave, the, the other you kid doesn't leave matter. <laughs> <laughs> Only the Joel care it matters. So, I mean, we're kind of kind of close to our age. I mean, I'm 42, so I'm 37. So, yeah, so. you're much we're, closer we're, to them than me. Yeah, sure. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and I gotta say, uh, when I asked you what you wanted to do. You threw this out there, th- I, and I kind of got the sense that you thought, oh, maybe Billy Joel's, uh, you know, kind of before their time or something like that. Adam and I fucking love Billy Joel, and Ooh, both yeah. of us were equally excited to do a list like this. So thank you so much for suggesting it. Mm-hmm. I, I was so happy when I got that response because uh, I, I grew up when I was in middle school. Um, I, I was very much into photography and I had my own dark room and this is back in the day when you have chemicals and things mm-hmm. and I would go down and spend the day in my dark room and would put in eight tracks to have music to listen to. That's how long ago this was. And <laughs> my sisters basically would buy music and then I would listen to their music cause my sisters are nine and 11 years older than I am. Mm. And I had an eight track of Billy Joel's the stranger and 52nd street and 52nd street had just come out at that point in time mm-hmm. and just loved them. And so from then on with glass houses and the nylon curtain and, um, you know, songs in the attic, all of the other albums came out contemporaneously with me. And so Billy Joel is very much the soundtrack of my life. Wow. That's nice. exci- very excited to hear your, um, hear your knowledge base of Billy Joel and what songs you pick. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and throw in my kind of, as John mentioned, yeah, we definitely did grow up with Billy Joel, but I grew up and I'm sure John's probably pretty similar with the hits. Um, I didn't have a, we didn't have a bunch of albums. Now our mom definitely had river of dreams. I remember that one. She might've had Stormfront. I feel like I remember a tape of Stormfront. That was actually my tape. Oh, that was your tape. Okay. That was my tape of Stormfront. Also, uh, our mother had uh, cassettes and eventually the DVD and the or not the DVD, the, the CD, the essential Billy Joel, uh, the CD, the essential Billy Joel, yep. the big two box or the two CD set. Yeah. Um. And I wore the hell out of that mm-hmm. CD set. 
that was definitely my my knowledge base as well was the mm-hmm. was that that set more than anything and then yeah again stormfront and, and river of dreams so so i'm mostly a hits guy um there, i think there's one kind of deep cut in mind if you can call that um but yeah so john what what did you any other did you see have you seen billy joel or anything like that john? i have not and anytime he's come to town which hasn't been that much uh he hasn't toured all that much um I do remember when the uh, the Elton John Billy Joel tour did come to town, and at the time I just didn't have the money to go see it. The problem with living in Vegas is all of the concerts are all very expensive because they're all on the Strip, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're they're it's most of the people who are going to those shows are people who happen to be in town in Vegas at the time, so everything is just kind of expensive. Um, I try to catch bands if they're coming in in like. A, in kind of a, a, a peripheral area, mm. like one of the outside casinos or like one of the towns that are kind of like just right outside, because then I know the, they're going to be cheaper, but it depends on how popular they are and that sort sure. of thing. And some of these older musicians that are doing kind of bigger tours again are actually getting mainstay strip locations to mm-hmm. do, so it's a little bit a little bit more difficult. I'm hoping, I'm still hoping one day, because he still seems to be going strong. I don't know how long that'll last. Um, hopefully someday I'll actually yeah. get to see him. Yeah. Well, we were you talking know, off he, a line. Oh, sorry, James. No, he does a, a standing residency at MSG, mm-hmm. where you know. He's yeah, but been, that means I got to go to New York. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> yeah. But you, so we were talking off the line, but before recording, but uh, so James, you have seen Billy Joel live. Yes, I've seen him six times. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. That's quite a bit. And, and most recently, and it was a couple of years before the pandemic, I'm not sure exactly when, he did a tour one summer of baseball stadiums. And so Oh yes, was, I remember that. And so I got to see him at Kaufman in Kansas City. I have heard, and I don't know how apocryphal this is or if you've experienced this, I've heard that he likes to keep the first couple of rows empty and pull people down from the highest seats uh, to fill those because he doesn't like to look down on like rich people who are just paying to be in the front row and actually want people who are excited to see him to be right there. Have you seen that at all? Ever had that experience? Yes, I believe that is true. Now, when okay. he was at Kaufman, I mean, they had so many seats on the, the cause he performed essentially what you would imagine is like second base. Mm. And then, you know, everybody else was in the stands, but there are so many seats on the, the field. Right. Um, I presume he did that, but uh, okay. I've never, I've never been invited down, but, <laughs> but yes, I believe that to be accurate. I was going to say, Billy, if you're listening, you need to get this guy to the front. You got a yes. diehard fan Yes, here. please. Adam, go ahead with what you're Oh, doing. I was going to make a really tacky joke about second okay. base and profile. How, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make, I was going to make a crude joke and it's now the timing's lost. So let's just move on. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't really have much more to, uh, to add to this. I'd kind of like to just kind of dive into these lists. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll just kind of keep the same rotation. We'll start with Adam and then I'll go and then we'll let James have the last word. So Adam, yep. why don't you start us off with your number 10? Yep. Oh, and, and for the, um, for, for James sake, if anyone has a person higher on your list, we just say higher and then yeah, keep it moving. Okay. Sorry if John, you already said that or not. I did not. Okay. Well, there we go. All right. Uh, my number 10, I'm not going to lie. My number cha- 10 changed a lot. There were about four, maybe five songs that kind of kept kind of creeping into that number 10 i'm like ah which one wants to get it so even now i'm not sure but it's at the time it's my number 10 um because there's there's a good bit of uh, honorable mentions that'll be right there like literally right behind it but for me my number 10 is you're only human second wind it's all right it's all right 
not on my list. Okay. But not I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Billy Joel writes a lot of good songs. Yeah. There's gonna be a lot of good songs that are not on my list. Yes. And so I I don't see myself being like, wow, how did that end up on your list? <laughs> yeah. It's just gonna be. He writes a lot of different songs. Everyone's tastes are gonna be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a wonderful song, and I I do love it and listen to it anytime it you know comes up on my uh, on my on my playlist. Yeah. Um, so it came out as actually originally appeared uh, on his greatest hits volume one and two in 1985, uh, peaked at number nine on the billboard hot 100. And I really, honestly, even though I had seen the music video, which is seems kind of weird and crazy, I really, cause the song is so poppy and it's so, mm-hmm. it feels so kind of fun and catchy, but listening to the lyrics and when you when you find out really what it's about, it's about suicide. It's about teen suicide. And that's what the song is about. It's about, you know, like, hey, get your second wind. Um, you know, it's okay to have these thoughts, but like, you know, bounce back from it. And Billy Joel said, basically, he he stated he had he had attempted suicide himself. Um, and then he wrote the song as a way to help young people struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts. So I actually, for a long time, had no idea the show had that much, I would say, depth to it. Um, because it's just, it feels like just such a fun poppy song. Um, but yeah, I really like it. And I think maybe just that little extra bit of it kind of gives it a nudge for me. Sure. No. And I love that song too. Mm -hmm. It does have that poppy edge to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but a very rejuvenative statement. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in with mine and my number 10 is only the good die young. Higher on my list. Not on my list. Okay. All right. Well, we'll talk about it a little bit later for Adam. All right, James, you're number 10. Okay. So the opposite of what you guys said, I started my list with a lot of kind of deep cuts that are personal to me. Mm-hmm. Sure. And Fantastic. So, and when you talk about how many times your 10 changed, I will say my 9 and 10 changed <laughs> a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, from the time we first started this, I started baking lists and the first list I did with my wife had 74 songs on it oh. just, <laughs> just off the top of our heads. So I have like 14 honorable mentions too, okay. but ultimately I settled in at, and so it goes, which is off the Stormfront album. It was yeah. written quite a bit before that. Yeah. And it's, and it's higher on my list. Oh, then ah. I, I will say nothing more. <laughs> All right. Well, then Adam will swing back around to you and discuss your number nine. Sure. My number nine was your number 10, Only the Good Die Young. Come out, Virginia, don't any wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. All the sooner or later, it comes down to fate. I might as well will be the one. Well, they showed you a statue, told you to pray. So, from The Stranger, 1977, Mm -hmm. um, written in the perspective of a young man determined to have sex with a Catholic girl. And I think... I think I relate to this song, maybe more than any other Billy Joel song, because it's just about 
this guy being a horn dog. And he's like, eh, don't worry about your thoughts. Don't worry about your whole religion. Just come bang me. And I'm like, <laughs> I get you. I understand you, only the good die young. <laughs> Such great lyrics in that one. Yes. You know, just there- the toss off phrases are so good. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, wow, that phrase right there, the toss-off phrase. <laughs> Even better. Woo, phrasing. Uh, the uh, the lyrics and, and content aside, what always got me was this, you know, kind of nice little piano intro, and then you got the drums coming in on with some brushes, and this kind of like mm-hmm. jazzy little, Virginia, throw me in line, or whatever he actually said. I never, whatever it is. He just, it, it's unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, it's unexpected and it catches me off guard almost every time I forget yeah. how this song starts until those drums kick in. And after that, I'm like, man, I'm having such, I had such a fun time listening to this song all the way through. I love the, um, and I, as a drummer, I'm going to, I love how he uses the brushes to add a little bit of an extra texture to the song because it's not one that is typically used. Uh, for rock and roll, more upbeat stuff. So to me, it gives it a little extra flavor, and I like that. It's a fantastic song. Agreed. Agreed. Love it. Uh, all right. Uh, my number nine mm-hmm. uh, is probably my most deep cut out of any of the songs. Um, I don't know, Adam, if you know this one. You'll surprise me a little bit if you do, but I also won't be surprised if you know it. Uh, and it comes off of the album Glass Houses. My number nine is Sometimes a Fantasy. I'm gonna have to go check that one out. Not on my list, and I absolutely love it. That one is is spectacular. Yeah, it's kind of a, a more sort of fast-paced rock song. It seems to be about phone sex. Yes, it is very much about <laughs> phone sex. I'm definitely um, gonna check this song out. Huh? And the thing is, Adam, is that you might you might actually recognize it when you hear it, because I first heard it on a episode of Scrubs. Oh, okay. there was they did kind of a um, clips show uh-huh. episode, and they did a whole thing where they went and revisited all of JD's fantasies, and this was the song that was playing underneath it, okay. and that's where I heard. It. I'm like, well, that's definitely Billy Joel, but it's not a song I recognize. Yeah. Looked it up, started listening to it, and now since I pl- I played it in my car recently, you know, just to kind of get the song of it. Now my son loves that song, although I have not told him what it's actually about. <laughs> I think he just likes the. The mm-hmm. beat, because it's a it's a yeah. fun song. It's fun to yeah. listen to. So hopefully, I haven't, you know, I haven't had the guts to ask him. Hey, do you know what the song is actually talking about? <laughs> and I'm hoping not, because keep him in that. Keep him in that. Is keep him in completely about what the song is talking. But also, at one point, there's like panting in the song. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it takes out any any question. Now I will say this: I remember it from Scrubs too, because I'm also a big big Scrubs fan. Love Scrubs. Nice. Knew Love, we liked you. 
love, <laughs> you know, I love Bill Lawrence and a mm-hmm. huge Ted Lasso fan and, yeah, oh, yeah, and oh, yeah. you know, all of it. Um, I don't think that when they went back and redid those, I think if you don't have the DVDs, I think they preempted that song. Uh, I, I do have the DVDs. Song. I've got all, I've got yeah. all the scrubs on DVD. So I'm going to have to check that one out then. But yeah. they lost some of the music rights coming yeah. across and, and some of that music changed. And one of the things I do love about what Bill Lawrence does is his use of music. Yes. Yeah. Uh, scrubs is, yeah. is amazing oh. with that. Yeah. There's yeah. so many songs on my playlist that are like bizarre things I found from like just a scrub mm-hmm. song that I heard a clip and it was like, oh, I love that. And yep. yeah. It's on my playlist. Well, Adam, I'm excited for you to hear that song. I knew it was going to be more of a deep cut. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think you'll enjoy it as well. Fantastic. Absolutely. All right. Uh, James, your number nine. My number nine is Say Goodbye to Hollywood. Not on my list. All right. And I will specifically say there's two versions of this. There's one, I believe, is on either um, Cold Spring Harbor or The Piano Man. The one I'm specifically referencing is the live version that came off of Songs in the Attic. Attic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, this is just the way it's recorded, the way it's presented. And when you hear just the studio recording, it's still a very good song but it's not nearly as good as the live recording to me. Mm. Um, and it has so many great lines in it. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, and I, I used it as a sign-off in, in chats and different things, was life is a series of hellos and goodbyes. I'm afraid it's time for a goodbye again. Um, mm, no. It just that it, it just is, is very melodic, and the flow and the feel of that song to me are put you into a very specific state of mind. Um, and again, I think it was released. I don't know if it charted, but, um, but like I said, it just the live version of that one. And it starts out with the boom, 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 boom. boom. Oh yeah. Is that the, is that the version that was on the, uh, the, the essential? Yeah. It started that way. Exactly. Okay. I think, yeah, I think that's the version I, I know as well. Yeah. Yeah. Good pick. Yes. Uh, all right. Swinging on up to number eight, Adam. And my number eight was James's number 10. And so it goes. And every time I've held a rose, it seems I only felt the thorns. And so it goes, and so it goes, and so will you. It's it's a one just a beautiful song. It slows things down. Um, it's just absolutely, I think, absolutely gorgeous. He apparently wrote the song about a doomed relationship with uh, L. McPherson. 
that he was having. Um, it came out on Stormfront, but he actually wrote it back in 1983, I saw. Um, and it was inspired by a Scottish ballad called Barbara Allen. Uh, and it also was written in iambic tet- tetrameter, which I thought was interesting. I just saw that on Wikipedia. I was like, okay, cool. But overall, um, you know, sometimes I like to to be slow down. I like to go on an emotional journey. And I think, and so it goes absolutely and uh, ones that my top are the ones that take me on like they're more journey songs and like more take on a full story and whatnot Um, but this one is a is a nice slow if i want to feel kind of song and i really really like Mm. the emotion that i get from this one i and i agree and like i said i had it at number 10 it just the feel of this song is kind of of wrapping you in and saying life is inevitable and yeah. there's going to be good and there's going to be bad, but just you have to persevere sometimes and things are going to happen and they happen for a reason. We don't always know when they happen. That is just such a special song to me as well. Very cool. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to that one. I know yeah. I have it. I just haven't listened to it a lot. And so it goes and so it goes. You know that one? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. so will you soon, I suppose. Yeah. It definitely, I can, I can hear the folk song. Uh, okay. Yeah, yes, the ballad, the absolutely, just in, in the there. melody right there. So, yeah, cool. Uh, what are we? My number eight. Your number eight. My number eight. I'm kind of expecting to be higher on Adam's list, so I'm not going to say too much about it. My number eight is pressure. You have to learn to pace yourself. That was the number 10. That was like my number 10A. Like it was pressure was fighting, fighting with your only human. Yeah. Honorable mention. It was, it was at nine. Sometimes it was at 10. It ultimately got pushed out. But yes. Uh, Such a a fantastic song. A great little kind of, I think it's meant to be uh, simulating an accordion. It's not quite an accordion. I think it's a synthesizer of some kind, but emulating the accordion, the bump, 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 bump. I mean, man, when that part comes on, that's, I want to sing along with that. Just rock, you know, rock around. I I think that's another song that my son has also fallen in love with in the short time I've been listening to that stuff Mm -hmm. with him. Um, It's, you know, so it's fun because it's, it's upbeat but because it's in a minor key, it has a little bit of a darkness to it. Yeah, that's uh, uh that just it's it's kind of cool because it feels like it's talking. I mean, it's talking about you know pressure, pressure of life, all kinds of things. And there's like this impending, um, and I'm gonna use the pun, an impending pressure mm-hmm. as you're listening to it because it feels like it, the tension is building, and until he gets to the end when he's kind of you know you know pressure, finally yelling pressure, and it it feels like there there's the release of it. And I think just a fantastic job of him throughout the song. Oh yeah, great song. I I concur, and it's it's almost kind of manic depressive in its flow because it has that, mm-hmm. and then it's like psych 
one sight. Yeah. <laughs> what do you know? All your life is Time Magazine. Yeah. I read it too. What does it mean? And then it goes back to the manic. Bum, 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 yeah. Bum, bum, bum. yeah. Uh, I saw uh, VH1 used to have this series, and I forget what it was called, but it was like songwriters and something, storytellers. It's like storytellers. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, storytellers. And yep. he was on it. And just for fun, he was. I forget what why he brought this up, but he goes just for fun. He goes to the synth the synth guy. He goes play that in major. So he made him play it in major, and it sounded like a polka. It just <laughs> yeah. it's just the just those that tweaking into the into the minor mode that just really makes the song I think you know really sing. Mm. As far as as far as it's like sort of tonal harmonies throughout. Uh, all right, that well that's all I got to say about pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Or else I'll keep going. Uh, all right, James, you're number eight. And again, one of you may have this one higher. Uh, at number eight, I have Vienna. Cool it off before you burn it out. You got so much to do and only so many hours in a day. Hey, but you know that when the truth is told, that you can get what you want or you can just get old. You're gonna. Kick off before you even get halfway through. Ooh, and will you realize Vienna waits for you? Not on my list. Not on my list. Okay. This one has popped up so many different times and so many different places and so many different TV and movies and things. And again, a, a little bit like and so it goes it it's kind of this message of life is there and you can get stuck in the day-to-day and you need to look at the bigger picture and i just love the tempo and the flow of vienna um and vienna waits for you mm-hmm. and it to me is such a beautiful song and yeah i don't know as it was ever released i don't know as it ever came out, I did see a very interesting um, Garth Brooks cover of it that he did in concert one time. Hmm. And I know he hmm. covers a lot of Billy Joel songs. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, in concerts now, he did release Shameless, but um, but he's covered a lot of Billy Joel songs over the years. And it, somewhere I found a YouTube video of him doing Vienna that was absolutely spectacular as well. Cool. Hmm. The only thing that hurt it for me was it wasn't on the Essential Billy Joel, so I just didn't get much exposure to Vienna. Even though I have heard it since, and I do like it, um, it just doesn't ha- hit like a nostalgia as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, that one was on Stranger, so it was mm-hmm. back yeah, in the 70s. Older. Right. Uh, all right, Adam, your number seven. So even though I just had that little diatribe, my number seven is my only deep cut, if you can call because it, it wasn't on... The essential greatest hits and doesn't wasn't on kind of any of the other ones that we had, um, but I can't remember how I found it. But I was listening to it and it's just it's just one I fell in love with. I think it's absolutely phenomenal song. I don't know if you know this one, John. If you do, if you don't, highly recommend checking out. It's called Summer Highland Falls. For all our mutual experience, our separate conclusions are the same. Coexists with our insanity. 
see their sadness or euphoria. Uh, not on my list. So it's on uh, Turnstiles um, mm. from 76. And it's just got a wonderful piano part like that kind of plays throughout it, especially at the beginning. Um, it's uh, it's less big poppy. I would say more adult contemporary. The way I kind of think of it, I, I equate it to if you upped the tempo of James Taylor and gave him a piano instead of a guitar, th- that's kind of the style of the song for me. Um, and honestly, it's a song that makes me feel as weird as it is makes me feel nostalgic, not necessarily nostalgic for the song, but it's just something about it that makes me just like, he's trying to take me back in time with that song a little bit. And I just, I love it. I, it's a song that I can, I can play on repeat <laughs> over and over. Yeah. Again. I, and again, there's so many great lines. These are not the best of times, but these are the only times we've ever known. Exactly. Um, and actually in going through for, in preparation for this episode, Rolling Stone back in, um, December of 2012 did a reader's poll of the top Billy Joel songs of all time. And summer in Highland falls is number nine on that oh, Rolling wow. Stone. Wow. Yeah. So it was, nice. it hit, it hits a note with a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I had it on my honorable mentions list. Okay. Uh, okay. So my number seven might be the most, I, I want to say the most 80s sounding song of his, <laughs> mm. or at least of, of his kind of of his hits. But nice. I have another one on my list that also could also uh, give that one a run for the money, run for its money for that particular title. But I also feel like this is one of his most hard rocking songs. And it weren't for the fact that, uh, that he plays piano. If it was distorted, if it was more distorted guitar, it would be a really rocking song. Uh, my number seven is I Go to Extremes. Honorable mention list. It was another one of those that kind of kept pushing um, mm. for that ten spot. I had it in the same place for me. It's yep. honorable mention. Really good. It just man, I it. This song makes me move. It's one of my favorite driving songs. Mm-hmm. Not that I need to, you know, go extreme when it comes to driving on the highway, but it just it makes me want to move. Or it like makes me want to get up and do it. It's a great workout song. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried to do it in karaoke, and I always forget there's that section in the middle where he jumps up really high, and then I forget, and then I can't do it, or else I have to try to lower the octave, and then it just sounds dumb because yeah. I'm singing too low. Um, like If there was one Billy Joel song I wish I could sing really well, it's kind of this one. Um, it just rocks, It rock, yeah. it, and I feel it, it feel it in my body every time I listen to it. Either on um, like Inside the Actor's Studio or one of those tours that he did, there's a lot of those where he goes to colleges and speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of those, he said that was the only song that he ever was performing and like broke keys on his piano while he was playing. <laughs> yeah. Because wow. it's just that, that mm-hmm. hard downplay of, of those sounds. And yes, it, oh. it does go to extremes. Yeah. Also, his piano solo on that 
song yeah. is super yeah. awesome. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. it sounds like he's pounding the pounding the ivories there on that one. Mm-hmm. So all right. Uh James, you're number seven. Uh this is a little bit of a deep cut again. This is off fifty second street and the song is Zanzibar. She's waiting on shiny town. She's gonna pull the curtains down for me. For me. Not on my list. Not a song I'm familiar with. Yeah, me either. Okay, this is a song, and he's talked about it, that is basically a guy hanging out in a sports bar. Hmm. And, um, again, the lines are so great. Um, He goes into, it starts out with, Ali dances and the audience applause. Though he's bathed in sweat, he hasn't lost his style. And it's talking about watching a Muhammad Ali fight. And then later it goes into Rose. He knows he's such a credit to the game, but the Yankees grab the headlines every time. Um, and he's trying to hook up with the waitress and he goes, um, me, I'm trying just to get to second base again and I'll steal it. If she only gives the sign, um, she's waiting out in shanty town. She's going to pull the curtains down for me. And it's, um, I got the old man's car. I got a jazz guitar. I got a tab at Zanzibar. And it basically Mm. is just a picture of a young guy in the city, you know, hanging out in a sports bar. And and it's got a very jazzy, the the whole 52nd Street album just has such a jazzy feel to it. And again, going back to when I was growing up, there was a feel to an album where, you know, you had an LP and it had texture throughout the start to the finish of the album so much we we get so much into songs now and both the stranger and 52nd street in particular were just such great plays where you could listen to the whole album and just get a sense of where you were cool but zanzibar is one of those to me it's just an absolutely fantastic song awesome i'm excited to check it out yeah me too uh all right number six all right uh, my number six, uh, I'm going back to the Stormfront album, and it is the Downeaster Alexa. Higher on my list. Okay. I didn't have it on my list. Uh, all right. My number six might show up higher on someone else's list. I don't know. Um, I You really could say that about almost any of these songs. You just mm-hmm. never know. My number six is The Stranger. Yeah, we all fall in love. my list okay uh this has always been one of my favorite songs um ever since i was a teenager something about this song uh really hooked me uh the the whistle part at the beginning and the end i always found to be fascinating and then just that kind of middle kind of kind of medium rock and this 
you know, I, I think it goes without saying that Billy Joel is a fantastic storyteller in mm-hmm. his songs, and, and um, I could use that for a lot of the stuff, and it wouldn't be the last time I would say that about any of the songs on my list, but he really paints a really good picture about the stranger in this and what I'm taking to be, like, about the person inside of you that no one else sees. And I I think it's a, a, a fantastic thing because especially as a teenager, I'm sure, Adam, you remember this, James, I'm sure you remember this. Like, you, you don't necessarily always feel like yourself or that you can mm-hmm. be yourself. And to hear someone, even though this came out, like, two year, two or three years before I was born, a song that, that really encapsulated kind of how I was feeling at the time really endeared it to me. I agree. And when I was listening to it, I was in middle school. That was the first mm. time I encountered it, but that was kind of when it, it came out. Yeah. Um, for years, The Stranger is an album was my favorite. Now, as I've gotten older, that's changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now, it for a long time, it was Nylon Curtain and Songs in the Attic, and then it kind of came back to 52nd Street. But if you think about the storytelling aspect of Billy Joel as a whole, that he hasn't released a pop album since River of Dreams mm-hmm. and hasn't released any new music other than classical since then. He continues to tour. So you're talking about a long, long time that he hasn't put out any new music and is still selling out arenas and stadiums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a testament to how good a storyteller he is. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, all right, James, you're number six. All right. This one's again, a little bit of a different one at number six. I have captain Jack higher on my list. Oh, okay. Well then we'll talk about that in a minute. And then, so Adam, we'll just go ahead and hit your number five. Uh, my number five, uh, was on nylon curtain. Good night, Saigon. We came in spastic like tameless horses. We left as numbered corpses and we learn fast to travel light our arms were heavy but our bellies were tight not on my list okay honorable mention Okay. Yeah. No. So yes, like I said, the 1982 album, um, it hit number 56 on the Billboard Hot 100. So obviously, it's about Vietnam. Um, it's you know, it's all about kind of you know, Marines having to you know, battle and bonding together, fighting through their fears, trying to figure out you know how to survive. It, it's it's got a great brotherhood feel to it. You know, it's a bonding song. Um, you know, I've never been in the military or anything like that, but I play a lot of Call of Duty, and so <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Not really, but honestly, I just, I just, I have always liked this song. Now it's it's got a slow build. Obviously, it has like the, yeah. the chopper sounds at the beginning. You know, this is not a song that you're what you know you. If you're going through like a greatest hits where they're Billy Joel and you just kind of want to have the fun stuff, you'll skip this one because it's like it's a it's not like to like, you know, a minute and a half where you kind of really gets going um, and then it kind of slow out as well. But I just think it's it's fantastic. Once you get into it, it's it's well worth the journey. And again, it is we've talked about his storytelling. I think it's a great journey song um, while you're kind of dealing with, you know, something that 
you know, we never, I never really had to deal with was war and Vietnam was a huge thing, which so much great music came from that and whatnot. And, um, really, I think humanizing some of the, the, um, the, the people, uh, in the, in the, in the war and in our Marines and our soldiers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this song does a great job of that. So I love it. That when was I saw, a song. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, James. You go first. I was going to say, when I saw Billy Joel in the Stormfront tour in 1990, and I think that was, again in another arena but he brought a group of vietnam veterans on stage and Mm -hmm. they sang the chorus together of we will all Mm -hmm. go down together Mm -hmm. and there's a point in that song um where he says and they were sharp as sharp as knives Mm -hmm. um where his voice kind of breaks Mm -hmm. and it's not a perfect vocal performance, but the vocal performance throughout that song is such a moving part of it. So I, that was a song that when I was uh, a kid, I couldn't quite identify with. Um, I didn't know anyone at really at that time who had gone through the Vietnam war. Obviously I didn't live through the Vietnam war. So I knew anyone, knew anyone else, but for some reason at the Kennedy center honors, when I heard Garth Brooks do his rendition of it, for some reason, it clicked, and uh, I was like, "Oh, I gotta go back and revisit that song." Um, and in the the Kenny Center honors, at the part when they bring the chorus out, he also brought out a whole bunch of Vietnam vets uh, out on the stage who kind of sang that part. It was very, very moving. Um, also, Garth Brooks, I think gets a lot of crap, but is an underrated uh, entertainer and singer, mm-hmm. at least in the pop world. I think he's yeah, underrated. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's started to become something I listen to now. It's not one that I can I can listen to all the time. I have to be in the right mood sure. to listen to that song. But when I when I do, I try to take that whole song in. Uh, I want to share a quick little idiot Adam uh, moment <laughs> about this song for me. So when I was in middle school, is middle school or early high school? Um, we we were I was in the tag program, which is called Talented and Gifted. Is you know mm-hmm. for people who like to think they're smart or actually who do decent anyway we could we had like some of these electives that we could do um, they're just like a little special no non-graded you know kind of special project stuff and i did one uh that was all on um uh protest songs mm. and so we were talking protest songs and so uh the guy our whoever was leading it was like all right you gotta pick a protest song and i was listening to a lot of the billy joel at the time it's like oh man Goodnight Saigon's about Vietnam. It must be a protest song about Vietnam. <laughs> so I brought that one up and talked about it. He's like, yeah, you know, that was made like seven years after the war finished, right? And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I can't say, I, you know, that's not it's not at all a protest song, but I tried to debate it as a protest song. And and I was stupid is what I was, is what I was. <laughs> I didn't deserve to be in tag. <laughs> uh, that's quite all right. Uh, where are we at? Uh, that was my number five. So we okay. are on your number five. All right, my number five is uh, also from the Stranger album, and it is "She's Always a Woman." She can lead you to love. She can take you or leave you. She can ask for the truth, but she'll never believe. And she'll take what you give her as long as it's free. Yeah, she steals like a thief, but she's always a woman to me. Oh, she takes care of herself. 
honorable mention. Yep, not on the list. Uh, I I find this to just be an absolutely beautiful, I want to say love song, mm-hmm. whether he intended it that way. Um, I know that, uh, and I just know this from having having seen the clip. I didn't. I actually I, I saw this clip a while back, uh, but Pink used that as her song at her wedding, hmm. um, and then someone had her on a talk show and actually brought out Billy Joel, and they made Pink come back out and sing that with him. Um, it's I've just found it to be uh, a really beautiful song. Uh, I remember actually. Uh, when my wife and I were first started dating, we actually lived in two different states because we went to two different colleges. And uh, whenever I was missing her, this was actually a song I would listen to, to kind of, uh, kind of get those feelings back of mm-hmm. you know remembering. We debated about using that for our wedding. Um, we mm. eventually went with a different song, but we we debated that one as well. It is is absolutely stunning, um, and the line uh, should bring out the best and the worst you can be. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, there are just so many lines that catch with me and it just become part of that feeling and that vibe. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, James, you're number five. Okay, this is the last of my deep cut stuff. Um, this was off Glass Houses and it was a song called All for Lena. Until I stop kidding myself, wasting my time. Not familiar with that one. Yeah, not familiar. Okay, this is one again that has kind of that almost manic vibe of pressure, but mm-hmm. it's I don't want anyone new. Uh, there's nothing in it for you because I'm giving it all for Lena. Hmm. Um, and I'm failing in school, wasting my time, making my family lose their minds. I don't want to eat. I don't want to sleep. I only want Lena one more time. Hmm. Hmm. In watching interviews with Billy Joel later, he talks about that being about a a relative who was kind of consuming him and was relying on him. To me, when I heard the song growing up, and this one, again, Glass Houses came up, and I bought the, I think by that time we'd moved to cassettes instead of 8-tracks, but listening to cassette over and over, it was that crush you had that Hmm. didn't reciprocate. But you were just you were trying to find that crush and trying to just do anything to have some contact with that crush to just you you you're just sacrificing everything so that you can pass them in the hall and say hey casually you know as you're going by or you're driving by their house or you're going on walks you know and this is again we didn't have social media and I grew up in a small town so mm-hmm. you know it was like okay where's everybody's bicycle parked mm-hmm. um, and you're just you had such limited opportunities and you're just constantly psyching yourself out to try and, and get this crush to like you. And to me, that song just epitomizes that to the nth degree. Um, and I, I still remember my youngest son, Alex and I, uh, and Joel and, and my wife were at a concert at a big arena to see Billy Joel. 
And that concert, he would come out and say, okay, I'm either going to play song A or song B. And so who wants A and who wants B? And the crowd would cheer, and whichever got the bigger cheer, that's what song he'd play. And he came out and he goes, okay, I'm either going to do all for Lena or I'm going to do Vienna. And he goes, who wants all for Lena? And like my youngest son and I are like standing up and cheering. And we're like the only two people in this 50,000 seat <laughs> venue. And then he goes, and who wants to hear Vienna? And it's like the crowd erupts. And he goes, okay, we're going to yeah. play Vienna. So, uh, All right, Adam, you're number four. All right. I'm not expecting my number four to be on either of y'all's lists. Um, because I would, well, maybe not. I mean, John is equally a Disney kid as I am. Um, but obviously that should tell you where I'm going. My number four is why should I worry? Not on my list. Not on my list, but I really like that song. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's such a fun. It's cute. It's fun. It's obviously a nostalgic tie to a movie I enjoyed when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Billy Joel also doing the voice of Dodger in the movie is great. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I came into Oliver and Company soundtracking from 1988. I mean, it's. It's. It, I mean, it's not his best song. It's not his best storytelling song. It's not his best anything. But it's just. It's a nostalgic, fun, poppy song from a movie that I love. I, I love the the woo hoo 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 Like all the harmonies that they have with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just. Yeah. It's just. It's a very fun poppy Disney song for me. And I think Oliver and Company gets um, forgotten pretty often. I, honestly. Yeah. I completely agree. And. We went back and watched that again when our kids were growing up because, you know, mm-hmm. they came out with all the Disney VHS little diamond box yeah. sets. And and when Oliver and Company came back out and we were watching it again, it was like, this is a much better Disney movie than it gets credit yeah. for. Yeah. yeah. Well, it definitely gets overshadowed by the string of hits they had with Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. That was right. Kind of right. A little bit right after it. Um, uh, Aladdin was the other one I was trying to think of. Yes. Um, but, Yeah. Great, and in I think really kind of was a precursor of the success they were about to have because they had had not such great success earlier in that decade in the later seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we 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 Adam and I discussed uh, the Rescuers, mm-hmm. uh, which was a good movie, but I think does not at all get as much acclaim as anything else, yeah. um, other than way before or way after it. But yeah, mm-hmm. and Oliver and Company definitely gets lost in that in that mix. That completely, I, yep. And I totally forgot about that song, Adam. I, oh, really? I don't know that it would have made my list, but I totally completely sure. forgot that he had done that. No, I went back and, and did some. And actually, there was another one that I, in just going back and preparing for this, he did um, a cover of All Shook Up for oh. Honeymoon in Vegas with mm. Nicolas Cage and uh-huh. I think Sarah Jessica Parker and Jimmy Kahn. Uh-huh. I think we're the other stars, but they had all these big performers do covers of Elvis songs. And so he did a cover of, of all shook up. So I, I kind of went back through some of his other stuff and, and ran across that one and listened to it a couple times. Cause it's a great song. Great pick out of, uh, all right. My number four. Yes. Uh, my number four 
is the other one that I would say might be his most 80s sounding song. Uh, and my love for this song comes from the fact that we had to dissect it when I was in AP uh, U.S. history in high school, and that's We Didn't Start the Fire. Higher. Higher on, higher on my list. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, then you're number four, James. Uh, yeah, and this one's going to surprise me as we're getting down. I thought we were all going to have pretty close to the same final four because I think there's four pretty obvious ones here that we haven't gotten to yet, mm-hmm. um, including what John just said. My number four is New York State of Mind. I've seen all the movie stars in their fancy cars and their limousines. Been high in the Rockies, under the Everglades. I know what I'm needing, and I don't want to waste more time. I'm in a New York state of mind. Not on my list. Yeah, not on my list. I mean, it's definitely was in the group to to listen to, um, but it's yeah, it's not it's not my top, but it's good. I think for me, it's it's not been a a song that I connected to when I was a teenager, and that love didn't quite carry over to when I was adult. It's a fine song, and I love listening to it, but like the nostalgic love of it never never got me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this one's a one a little bit like, um, and, and again, I grew up in Kansas. I, I'm a mm-hmm. small town kid from the middle of the country, but this one and New York Minute by Don Henley, mm-hmm. it, I think, just so encapsulate that that feeling of of being in the big city. And and I mean, I may not personally connect to it so much, but I think it's such a huge part of of Billy Joel. Um, and him reminiscing of what it's like to grow up in New York city. And I think it's very personal to him. Mm -hmm. Um, but because of that, it it always touched me that, um, just the little things that, um, that he mentions in the song, kind of the little items he lists, Mm -hmm. um, the New York times, the daily news, you know, Mm -hmm. and some folks like to get away, but I'm in a New York state of mind. And to me, it kind of translated in, it's always great to go home, no matter where you go, whether it's uh, Las Vegas or whether Mm -hmm. it's New York or whether it's California or, you know, when you become a big star, you're traveling or anything else, but that coming home, there's that, that comfort to what you were born and raised with and what you know. And to me, that's, that's being in a small town. But I think that's why it always kind of touched me. And to me, that's always mm. one of the big, the big four, obviously. That's why I added it four in my Billy mm. Joel list. Um, that that's just who we all have, who we are. And we can go out in the world and we can do whatever we want. But there is always going to be that who we are. Cool. I love that. Great connection. I think we're out to our top three now. Yes, we are. All right, Adam. All right. Yes, I've had two of my top three spoiled. And my other one is, a I feel like, a gimme. Uh, that's in all all of our top threes, I would assume. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, but nine number three was John's number four. We didn't start the fire, and uh, it's somewhere on James's list. Higher. I have it higher. All right, cool. Uh, my number three was one that Adam uh, had a little bit lower, uh, and that is Downeaster Alexa. Alexa. Well, I'm on the Downeaster Alexa. And I'm cruising. 
So it, it has a different feel um, mm-hmm. to me on this song. He he's almost yell singing. If you know, he's he's got a different vibe. So it's he's angry. Fi- he's angry about the yeah. situation that he's in. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's a he's a fisherman, and he's you know exactly. He has to fight for his his um, fish, and he's he's going through some hard times, and et cetera, et cetera. But it's just a I don't know. It's a song. It's funny. It was it was my number six. But weirdly, Down Easter Alexa and Summer Highland Falls were the songs that I kind of kept re-listening to more than the other ones. Even mm-hmm. though I will say I'm happy with my rankings, those were two songs that I feel like I can just turn on at almost any time. Um, really, really like that one. But yeah, it's, it's just got a, a great different feel. And yes, you're getting... And it, it sounds different. The way he's singing sounds different. And I kind of mm-hmm. really respect that. Uh, I actually do have a friend who this was his wedding song. Um, oh, well... Uh, which was very because he was also a big Billy Joel fan. This song, to me, has kind of has the it's it's not exactly the same, but it has the same vibe as some of the great story songs from the seventies, like uh, Gordon Lightfoot's "The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald," mm-hmm. uh, even like Harry Chapin's "Cats in the Cradle." It's kind of like I I feel like I've taken on a full story journey, and with with Down Easter Alexa, it feels more emotional. Than it does like a straight story of this beat happens, this beat happens, this beat happens. He's taking us on this sort of anger journey of what he's having to deal with just to make ends meet in this town that he grew up in and he saw probably thrive when he was a kid. At least as, in terms of the person telling the story. Uh, knowing mm-hmm. he's from New York and this sounds like it's clearly like a like a Massachusetts, uh, New England, you know, yeah. person telling the story. I, I feel the pain, you know, I feel bad for the person singing the song, for the storyteller. Because mm-hmm. um, I, he does, I he does a, go ahead. He does a great job of, I mean, you're right, of um, for these different songs, putting his mind and, and putting that song into the words of someone else. Like, you know, he's, he's going to have a different character. Different characters are singing you different songs, even though they're all Billy Joel songs. Mm-hmm. He kind of gets his mindset into a different one. But yeah, I, I feel you're right. I feel for this, for this guy, for this fisherman. Um, and so it's, yeah, wonderful. The, uh, and he did, he was born and raised on long Island and there was a lot of fishing. So this was okay. something that was, was personal to him. Although like I said, it, it says, and tonight I'm now Tucket bound, which again, right. I think is more Massachusetts, but um, I will say this, they periodically on, um, one of the satellite radio networks, and I won't promote them because they don't <laughs> have a, a John and Adam channel, so we don't need to name their name. What's the but point? <laughs> they periodically do have a Billy Joel channel, and they mm. just got done with that in January, and I listen to that a lot of the times when it's on. And between the songs, he talks about how these songs came about. Mm-hmm. And he talked about Down Easter Alexa because he was such a huge, huge Gordon Lightfoot fan. Ah. And actually Gordon Lightfoot came to one of his concerts and came backstage and he told him that Down Easter Alexa was specifically written as a an homage to Gordon mm-hmm. Lightfoot and what he did with his song. So yeah. that was exactly where it came from. Uh that was minor three, so now we're on to James. And I think this one's gonna get picked off, so I'm just gonna say piano man. Higher on my list. Not on my list. 
That's a surprise, Mr. Spees. It is a surprise, and I knew it would be, and I'll talk about why when we get to that point. Okay. Uh, all right, Adam, you're number two. Uh, my number two is Piano Man. Sing us a song, you're the Piano Man. Sing us a song tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean, from the Piano Man album, hit number 25, this is the Billy Joel song, obviously, uh, I feel like, I mean, for, you know, it's not everybody's favorite, it's none of our favorites, but <laughs> it's the one when people think of Billy Joel, Piano Man is the next, you know, it's the first song, pretty much, usually. I would say this one, sometimes we didn't start the fire, um, but... I think it's just, uh, you know, another one, it's telling it's telling us perspective. Actually, it's kind of telling his story, um, you know, perspective of a piano player at a bar based on his own life experiences, um, apparently working in L.A. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a signature song. It's it's just beautiful. It just I don't know. It's um, it's everything I want to listen to when I when I want to listen to Billy Joel. Piano Man comes on. And it, it is it's the quintessential Billy Joel song. And, and again, we none of us had it. You know, you had it at two. I had it at three. Um, John didn't have it on his list. It 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 gives such a great to me. It's such it paints such a great picture, mm-hmm. and it it just you get the feel that you're there in the bar with the guy, yeah. And in just starting out, so I I agree. Um, at times, I actually had it a lot lower too, and I kind of moved it up just because. You know, it's the quintessential when people think about it. And mm-hmm. so many people now sing that in such big groups or when you're yes. at a concert to hear everyone in the place singing the song. It's very moving. But to me, I, I probably would have had it a little lower personally. But, yeah, it's the quintessential Billy Joel song. So this if you had asked me when I was in high school what my favorite Billy Joel song was, 100 percent, I would have said Piano Man. I, I listened to that song a lot, and it kind of got got me through some kind of emotionally rough times, and I think that's why I don't go back and listen to it as much is because it kind of reminds me of why I fell in love with the song at the time, and I don't really like reliving that kind of um, emotional baggage, as it were. So I don't tend to listen to it as much anymore simply for that reason. It's a fantastic song, and if I ever see him in concert, when that song comes on, I'm going to belt it until I'm hoarse. But when it comes to what I listen to kind of in my own, usually car at this point is when I can listen to music anyway, um, I, I just don't tend to listen to it uh, because of that. Uh, all right, my number two is probably not going to be in any of your list, and it has more of a emotional and nostalgic reason for being where it is, more nostalgic than anything. Uh, my number two is Big Shot. Because you had to be a big shot, did you? You had to open up your mouth. You had to be a big shot, did you? All your friends were so knocked out. You had to have the last word last night. You know what everything's about. You had to have a white hot spotlight. You had to be a big shot. 
Yeah, that, I like that. I mean, I like that song. Right. For sure. Honorable mention. I'm I'm scratching off my list here of what we picked <laughs> up as we've been So Big Shot was the first Billy Joel song that I tried to learn on any instrument. Uh, I actually learned the bass part. And there were some weird things that were happening on in the bass part that actually furthered my knowledge of music theory when I investigated it that has kind of been why that song is so nostalgic. And I, I anytime I hear it, uh, you know, my son will look over and I'll be like airplaying the bass part in my head while I'm playing. And of course, he's like, put your hands on the wheel, dummy, we're on the highway. Um, uh but I I played this song to death when I was really because I, I it was at the time when I was learning to play bass. I had already started playing guitar, and bass is similar, but it has different tendencies. You need to approach it slightly differently. And so I really wanted to learn a cool song with a cool bass part. And I think we happened to have a Billy Joel piano book, and I just kind of read the part off on that and fell in love with the bass part. And it's really the bass part that I'm loving off of Big Shot more than anything. But I love the song. It's it's a great song. Um, and for the entirely nostalgic reasoning, that's how it ended up as my number two. It, and it does. It has a very cool kind of wah-wah vibe to it mm-hmm. in, in how it's played. Um, it, going back to what Adam said earlier, when I was a freshman in high school, we had to all pick a song and write out the lyrics and then come in and talk about the song and, and what it was as part of like the poetry mm-hmm. part of that English class. And I picked Big Shot. And this nice. was in a day and age before lyrics were on albums right. and CDs. Right. And so I listened to this song over and over and, and we had to <laughs> announce what we were doing and then go back and do it. There are so many, and some of the words in that song, I've gone back and looked at lyrics later. It's like, nope, didn't have that one. That was not <laughs> what I thought that said. Um, but no, just a great, great song. I, I absolutely love it. And again, on my honorable mention list. Uh, all right, James, you're number two. Uh, my number two is We Didn't Start the Fire. This came out, I was in my last year of law school, and the album hadn't been released yet. And one night on one of the local radio stations, they had they had a weekly, which song will make it? Mm-hmm. And they said, we have a new release from so-and-so, and then we have a new release from Billy Joel. And so I remember the very first time I heard this was standing in my living room in Lawrence, Kansas, and they played We Didn't Start the Fire. And I was like, well, this is crap. This is just <laughs> just shit. What a terrible He's song. just listing stuff. What the <laughs> yeah. hell? And I was like, and because I'd been so excited because that was when, you know, Stormfront was just getting ready to come out. They hadn't released mm-hmm. it yet. And then it was like, of course, it's Billy Joel, so it, it keeps getting played. And the more and more I listened, the more and more I loved it. And the more and more I sang along with it. And 
the last time we saw him in concert was again at Kaufman. And that this week he didn't end with piano man. He ended the encore with, we didn't start the fire. And so they have, you know, the, the, the scoreboards all around the stadium are lighting up and, mm-hmm. you know, just this and that dun, 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 dun. and everybody in the stadium singing together and just going through history. And I, I, I just love this song. It's such a great song. And how many kids have learned how much history mm-hmm. over listening yeah. to and history teachers going through, we didn't start the fire. And I, mm-hmm. there are things that I still go back and go, yeah, I know that because we didn't start the fire. Right. You know, when I play trivia, it's like, yeah, it's a Billy Joel trivia question. It, exactly. It's uh, how much this song gets into trivia um, because, you know, it, it just, it teaches so much, so many people about it, but also it's become part of trivia lore to know yeah. this song and to know the lyrics. It's like a point of pride to know all the lyrics in this song. Yeah. You know, think like end of the world as we know it or right. other like fast paced <laughs> yeah. ones. It, it's, it, it's you're showing off to your friends if you know all the lyrics to this one. And I, I remember being younger and thinking of it as, okay, it's like Billy Joel's response to uh, it's the end of the world as we know, it, which came out uh, like a couple of years before this one did. Gotcha. Uh, but unlike, the REM one, which really does seem to be like a random list of things that have no connection whatsoever, and knowing Michael Stipe, it is entirely possible that there was no connection whatsoever. <laughs> uh, actually, considering he actually has a tendency to forget the lyrics that he wrote for a song and had to have somebody else write them down for him. Um, this one, upon further review of it, I you know when I was when I took my AP U.S. History class, I was like, oh wow, this does have meaning. He is telling he is telling a story. Granted, it's like through bullet points. With with very little explanation of what they are, but he's reminding you of all these things that happen, and it just to me, it's still the mark of a great storyteller. He's telling a story in a completely different way than some of his other ones. It's you could argue maybe less poetic, but I don't think it's any less impactful. Sure. Yeah, and this one was completely chronological. It starts with yeah events that happened the year he was born, and and they get faster as it went along. And I've heard him talk about this song. And he said part of the reason for that was life gets faster as we get older. Mm. And so it was like when you're young, a year takes a long time. And and I can tell you now, you know, approaching 60, years don't take nearly as long as they used to. Right. They just, it's 4th of July, Christmas, 4th of July, Christmas. Just, they yeah. just roll. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's very interesting. Yeah. And that's that's actually something... I have noticed with my children when they were very little, it seemed like time was still pretty slow. Uh, even though I'm older now that they're getting older, I swear things are moving too fast. Cause I'm like, my son is already 13 only in five years. He's going to be out of high school. Five years does yeah. not feel that long to me. I'm like five years. That that's nothing. I can do five years standing on my head. Not really, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I totally I see that. And I will, I will just tell you this, when your kids get out of school and you don't have that school cycle to base your life around, mm-hmm. that's when it, it exponentially goes. Oh, great. Oh. Because I, <laughs> Thanks. But at least you had the school year to kind of base around. It's like, oh, the right. first quarter, the second quarter, you know, even when your kids mm-hmm. are going through it, once the kids are out of that cycle, it's just like, it truly is just, it goes so much faster. Mm. So, I, and again, I, I absolutely love the song. I like the yeah. spirit of it. And again, it's done more for trivia shows than <laughs> probably any other song. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, now I'm I'm lost again. Uh, uh, my number, number one. one. All right, Adam, you're number one. And my number one was I think James's number six, Captain Jack. So big fan of this song uh, from the Piano Man album. It uh, closed out that Piano Man album. Um, so uh, obviously we've already mentioned storytelling mm-hmm. like crazy. Um, this one, this one, I, I think more than any of the other songs, I think there's a great flow with Captain Jack where it feels like the song goes smaller and then it goes bigger. You're getting like a push and a pull with so- this song, push and a pull. Um, and, and you're just taken on a wonderful journey. And I, I, I love this one. I love, you know, the, the chorus is, is great, but I love every, all the aspects about Captain Jack. Um, so what I saw, what is about what uh, he was sitting in his apartment in Oyster Bay, Long Island, looking out a window, trying to find inspiration for a song. And across the street uh, was a housing project. And he saw a suburban teenagers going to get, uh, going into the project to obtain heroin from a dealer known as Captain Jack. Uh, and so, yes, obviously there's a lot of, you know, songs about drugs and, you know, you know, get me high tonight and, you know, take take me to this, uh, you know, it's, it's about it's about heroin, <laughs> you know, and so <laughs> it's fun. Not heroin's not fun, but the song is fun. <laughs> hey, yeah. And again, I had this one six on my list and I was really surprised when you had it higher. Yeah. Uh, and I found Captain Jack more through songs in the attic because it was re-released as a live version on songs in the attic. And yes, I had piano man and yes, I listened to piano man, but when it hit on songs in the attic, again, I am probably a freshman, sophomore in high school and it's uh, Saturday night and you're still hanging around. You're tired of living in your one horse town. I'm living in Mm. a town of like 1500 people driving a 1969 Buick Skylark and (laughs) It just hit at a perfect time and a perfect place. And I didn't know the heroin references till later. To me, Captain Jack was Jack Daniels. And you know, uh, even at that age, you know, we're all trying to run around and get beer and get alcohol. And yeah. so that was what I equated it to. I learned the deeper, darker meanings later. <laughs> but it, it just hit at such a great time. And, and I do just love that song. That actually is a song I've never liked. <laughs> Really? Yeah, even from even from early days, I could not identify with it. Maybe I didn't give it the right chance, but it's never been a song that I've actually really cared well, for. It's one of the few. We, I would we say. hang out. We'll I'll get some smack. We'll have a good time. Put on that song, and you'll get it. You'll understand it. <laughs> and then when you get sure. caught, give me a call. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Done. <laughs> Perfect. That means we need to do this in Kansas or Missouri. Where are you? Yes. Are you in Kansas? I, I'm in Kansas. I'm federally okay. licensed basically anywhere. But yeah, in Kansas okay. would be a better idea. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll make that happen. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, my number one talking about story songs is honestly one of the ones I consider to be his greatest story song, I think. And that is Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. I also have it at one. 
Brenda and Eddie were the popular steadies And the king and the queen of the farm Riding around with the car top down and the radio on Nobody looked any finer Always more of a hit at the Parkway Diner We never knew we could want more than that out of life I'll start and then James you can you can finish up with uh, whatever. This was a song that I kind of did not like when I was a kid and I think it's cuz I didn't understand it. And it's a, it's as I got older and wiser really in music in kind of like the theory of music and all that stuff, it started to grow. Um it's kind of like his version of A Day in the Life which a lot of people consider one of the Beatles best songs. Um I wouldn't I love the song. I wouldn't consider it one of their mm-hmm. best songs. Um, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna shout this out only because I just finished this. Uh, Adam and I on on trivia had the guys over from uh, Pub Trivia Experience and more importantly Bruzy Bracketology. Uh, they more recently did a, a a bracket for the Beatles songs, and I'm not gonna spoil their bracket, but it so far has been the only bracket where I actually agreed with who came out as the winner. Every other time I've been screaming at my uh, uh, radio as to how those are going down, but to bring this back around to Billy Joel, I it's seven minutes, seven is over seven and a half minutes, and I could listen to it over and over again because I love the not only the verbal lyrical journey he takes us on with that song, but the musical journey where we change styles not just once but several times, yet mm-hmm. somehow it still works. It's like a musical. It's like watching a musical of this story that he's telling, and I just absolutely love it. I Going back to, again, listening to Billy Joel on the satellite radio network, This he designed this after Day in the Life. Okay. He had, he had bits and pieces of three different songs, and he just couldn't make any of them work. And so he decided, he goes, he'd always loved Day in the Life. Mm-hmm. And so he said this needed a big orchestral treatment. And he took those three, you know, bottle of red, bottle of white. Mm-hmm. And then it's like Brenda and Eddie were the popular steadies and the king and the queen and the prom. And then moves on into, you know, the next section. And then he comes back and ends back at um, the restaurant again. Mm-hmm. And it's people reliving memories. And he said it was it was directly based upon a day in the life. That's, that's what he used as the design for it, for these different pieces of songs that he was putting together. Okay. Um, and yeah, it tells such a great complete story. And, and I don't know if you guys ever have the chance, I don't think they produce it much anymore. Uh, there's a Billy Joel musical called moving out, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. um, I have seen, and it has the band that's on uh, a platform up above the stage. And it's basically, none of the actors say anything. It's basically a ballet. Okay. You know, it's Twilight, it's Twilight Tharp designed and they have Brenda and Eddie and Anthony from Anthony's song moving out mm-hmm. and the, how they play through their lives and James from the song James, um, and going through like the Vietnam war. And, and obviously I think it's kind of based on, on scenes from an Italian restaurant kind of to a large mm-hmm. degree. Uh, but if you ever get a chance, fascinating to see. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with everything John said. It just, that to me is the ultimate 
with a day in the life and um, it, Meatloaf's Paradise by the ba- Dashboard Light, you know, those mm-hmm. very long kind of episodic, almost episodic songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this actually, to me, and I, having heard what you said about what he said, I kind of got it wrong, but I still like the version that I came up with in my head. I've actually equated this to a classical piece of music called Pictures at an Exhibition uh, by Mazorsky, which is literally 10 short piano pieces based on pictures, art that he saw. And to me, this was sort of similar of someone going to an Italian restaurant, sitting down, ordering their wine, and looking at the pictures and the art on the wall of this restaurant and hearing the story of what, you know, either he's imagining what they're seeing or what the actual story is. Um, and I... Which I I'm gonna assess or say that you can still see it that way. I based on how he said oh. it, even though even though maybe he saw it in a different way. That's I see it as the character like seeing these pictures and art or whatever on the wall of his favorite Italian restaurant and imagining the stories behind them or however you want to take it. But um, either way, I don't think it takes away at all from the the epic song that it is. No, I, I agree completely. And, and again, one of my favorite things to do is when I go to the theater or even to a mall is to be on the balcony and look over and just make up stories for the people walking through. Mm-hmm. That to mm-hmm. me is, mm-hmm. I, I can do that all day. Get me a glass of wine and, and a balcony at a theater <laughs> where I can look over everybody and, and just make up lives for them. That, that, that's mm-hmm. a great evening for me. Well, uh, well, let's see what uh, kind of dent we did into your honorable mentions yeah. list there. Uh, James, why don't you shoot off some honorable, more honorable mentions for us? Um, this night, mm. um, I was a little surprised. Matter of Trust. Uh, just, um, yeah. I thought that, that might. That's a good one. That didn't quite make my list, but I was actually listening yeah. to that one just earlier today and singing all the way through it. Another Matter great song. Um, mm-hmm. My Life. Great song. Which uh, yeah, my, Which, yeah, that, that was an honorable mention for me. That was the opening theme to Bosom Buddies with Tom Hanks <laughs> yeah. and Peter Sklari back in the day. Yep. Um, sleeping with the television on is just a personal favorite of mine. It's okay. a very deep cut. I One of his most beautiful, and this one, I think at one point was six and kind of bounced around and wound up coming out, Rosalinda's Eyes. Okay. And it's, yeah. it's a Cuban-sounding song. Um but absolutely beautiful. Um, off, and nobody mentioned River of Dreams. Now, I did not have it on my honorable mention. It's not one of my favorite songs, but mm-hmm. nobody had that one. Yeah. Um, off that album, though, was a song called No Man's Land that I really, really like. Okay. Um, and Billy the Kid, which when you talk about his piano playing, Billy the Kid mm-hmm. has some of the best, an angry young man, has yeah. some of his just best solo piano work that he recorded. Cool. So um, there were more on my list, but those are the ones I think people would really know. My uh, every time I hear River of Dreams, I'm taken back to his. I think it's his Grammys performance where mm. Frank Sinatra won an honorable, honorable uh, like yeah. an honorary Grammy or something like that, and they played yeah. him off, and it pissed Billy Joel off. So he got to the part where there's that break, and he just stopped, and it was dead silence for a long time. And he looked at his watch, and he's like, "Valuable advertising dollars going away." Dollar advertising time, dollars, <laughs> yeah. dollars. Like he's like wasting the time of the people because he wasn't finishing the uh, song because he was pissed that they played Frank Sinatra off. Uh, yeah, for, I, for this. I remember I was watching when that one went on. I, the thing to me with with River Dreams is 
it sounds, it feels to me so much like uh, the lion sleeps tonight. Oh yeah. And, and I, again, I've never been a huge fan of the lion sleeps tonight. And I, I I just didn't like the feel and the vibe of that song. It's fine. But, um, and if it comes on the radio, I, I seem the, you know, that part very, very badly, as you could hear from what I said earlier, I sing very, very badly, but I do Mm. sing along. I like, I, yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's fine. I if it's on, I'll listen to it, mm-hmm. but I hardly ever like yeah. s- want to seek it out to listen to it. Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. So now I will go back that Rolling Stone list that I referenced earlier. They had 10 was Goodnight Saigon, 9 mm-hmm. Summer in Highland Falls, 8 We Didn't Start the Fire, 7 Just the Way You Are, which none of us mentioned. The way it's a good are. song, but bum, bum. yeah, it's not a banger. It's yeah. it's not making them. It's kind of a classic pop hit. 6 yeah. is mm-hmm. Vienna. Five, Captain Jack. They had it ah, at five. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, four, Only the Good Die Young. Three, New York State and Wine. Two, Scenes from Italian Restaurant. Number one is Piano Man. So. Right. Yeah, okay. okay. That was what Rolling Stone did. And not a bad so list by Rolling Stone. All my, all my pages of all my <laughs> old songs that I've, I've worked and reworked. Yeah, not no, not a bad list amongst any of us yeah. here. Uh, James, thank you so much for suggesting and coming on this list. I always love having on guests who are passionate about yes. the topic that we're talking about, um, and it helps even more if it's something that we also happen to be um, at least a little passionate about. And I think uh, I think this was a great discussion and a great advertisement for people who might be on the fence about listening to Billy Joel. If you are, yeah, uh, go listen to some great songs. Hopefully, you've heard some snippets of stuff you really loved in this episode so far. Uh, thank you again, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you guys i this i've been looking forward to this for so long and it comes at a great time for me where i kind of needed something to kind of be looking forward to so i very much appreciate it awesome and thank you guys for everything you do with all of your media that helps get us through we appreciate it thank you very much all right well that was our top 10 billy joel songs Please join us next time as Adam and I go way back to break down the 1962 film To Kill a Mockingbird, discuss the classic TV show Mr. Ed, and recast To Kill a Mockingbird using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at BlastPassCast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found.